Hey Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us create more and maybe even take the podcast to weekly, then the best way right now that you can support us is to head over to patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. You can find all the different stuff we do there, one-page dungeons, uh, bonus audio for things, all kinds of stuff. So head on over there, uh, and even if it's just a dollar or you know however much you're comfortable doing, or if you can't put anything toward the Patreon, just tell a friend about it. Tell somebody about the podcast. That's another great way to support us. So, uh, patreon.com slash goblins growlers, uh, and we'll see y'all soon. Hello, goblins and growlers people, and welcome to another episode of the goblins and growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Blackcloak DM on Twitter. I'm Brandon Dingus at Way of Brandalore in various places. Um, happy Saturday, Josh. We're making a bad habit of this. <laughs> i'm sure scott loves it yeah thank you thank you for all your hard work scott yeah so uh, uh yeah josh and i have had uh busy weeks so we didn't get a chance to record this earlier in the week but that worked out fine since uh yesterday the 27th uh wizards just finally decided to just knuckle under it all the pressure that they were getting and completely changed the conversation uh for a little bit so uh, it worked out it worked out good um you know kind of fortuitous but also it does mean that we're doing this you know at 1 30 on a saturday <laughs> instead of enjoying this beautiful day outside um so josh uh i think we could tell people we're probably going to have a shorter episode today just because we got a bunch of stuff to do uh and we won't be john for like an hour or so on this probably well probably not i mean really the the core of it is that we only need to spend so long talking about what's going on because it's been explored really thoroughly and mostly this is an update as to the situation and kind of the resolution thereof right so unless you live under sort of a ttrpg rock you probably saw this yesterday where uh wizards finally uh had their mea culpa about things and uh decided that they're not going to uh, update the OGL, at least not immediately, or at least not in the ways that they said they were going to do it. Originally, they put out a release on um, the D&D Beyond blog called uh, OGL 1.0A and Creative Commons. And obviously, OGL 1.0A is the one that's been in effect for, you know, forever, basically. And it's what's allowed small publishers and third-party publishers and things like that to publish stuff under the D&D rule sets and make money off of it. And of course, the real conflict came in the last couple of weeks when they were when Wizards was like, oh, here's all this other stuff we're going to do, including like take all your money if you publish under stuff like that, which, of course, sparked a fire. You can listen to pretty much if you don't know what I'm talking about. First of all, shame on you. Second of all, you can listen to almost literally any other D&D podcast that's been released in the last three or four weeks. And I'm sure all of us have been talking about it. Our most recent episode you, had Noah Noah Downs, noted D and D attorney uh, Noah Downs, uh, talking about it. Not he's not the attorney for D and D, but just somebody who works in the space. And uh, things changed so much that Josh and I uh, had to record an update uh, several days after that <laughs> that we prepended to the episode. Yeah, it's the whole situation. Of course, has developed rather rapidly, but I think at the end of the day. 
Wizards of the Coast finally had someone from Hasbro go, hey, you remember how we told you to make us more money by whatever means necessary? We've realized that maybe what we're doing is making it so that our movie that's about to come out will be a huge flop commercially. Right. Yeah, that yeah, that was the next thing that was going to happen because, you know, so much of Wizards reaction has been pushed along by everybody's coordinated efforts to um like cancel their D&D Beyond subscriptions, which was something that was measurable that um Wizards and Hasbro could look at. Um uh first of all, I think I, they, I, oh go ahead. I think they said they said they had something like 40,000 subscribers leave. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that number accounts for all of the people who have canceled their subscriptions, but, you know, paid for a year. And so it, their subscription won't actually run out until April or whatever. Yeah, but it's still a big hit for them to talk about that numerically. And I, just because I don't think we've uh, literally said it, but, you know, the, the, the big headline, of course, is that Wizards has decided to leave OGL 1.0 in place as it is untouched. And they're releasing the entire SRD 5.1 under a Creative Commons license. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. But that's the big headline here. Um, the, um, the, the news peg sort of that they had for releasing this when they did is because um, in the last week or so, they've had a, a user survey available for folks uh, to uh, fill out to let uh, Wizards and Hasbro sort of know their opinions on the whole situation, which, first of all, I think that was really stupid because that like they knew exactly what the response to this was going to be. They knew how this survey was going to turn out before they opened it up to anybody. But uh, they said uh, at the beginning of the um, uh, release that they had, uh, which looks like it's almost 24 hours ago at this point. We're recording this at 1.30 in the afternoon on the 28th. Um, but it came from Kyle Brink, and it says, uh, when you give us playtest play feedback, we take it seriously. Already more than 15,000 of you have filled out the survey. And here's what you said. And this is a really interesting series of bullet points that could probably have been summed up by one bullet point that said, oh, no shit. But... <laughs> uh, Bullet one, 88% of you do not want to publish TTRPG content under OGL 1.2. That's the replacement they were going to release. And it was the one that was going to take everybody's money and just make it generally harder for people to do things. Um, Second bullet, 90% of you would have to change some aspect of your business to accommodate OGL 1.2. My hand is raised there as well. Um, Bullet three, 89% of you are dissatisfied with deauthorizing OGL 1.0a. And that's the thing, too. It's not just they would be replacing. 1.0 1.0a they were also going to revoke it so anybody like your paizos your kobolds anything like that that had published stuff under that like they would have like anything they've already printed would be fine but they would have to just completely change the system under which they were doing it um 86 are dissatisfied with the draft virtual tabletop policy which i'm actually not that super familiar with because i don't really play on virtual tabletops so i didn't follow what that policy was josh are you familiar with that uh, not what their updates to the policy were going to be, but I believe if I recall correctly from the documents that I had read, uh, they were going to have it so that if you were going to have a VTT, it could not have digital elements, uh, for video and optics. So if you wanted to have like, oh yeah, characters can cast magic missile, but you can't have like magical missiles fly out from the character and hit the foe. 
which seems like a really weird distinction for me. It's pretty clear. They were like, that's making it more like a video game. And we want to make sure you're not making a video game. But I think really what they're trying to say is we want D&D Beyond to be the premier product. Mm -hmm. And we want your product to be something slightly lesser. Yeah. And if you think back to the one D&D release stuff uh, that we talked about a couple months ago and the demos that they were showing for that sort of three fourths perspective on the virtual tabletop, like they're really putting a lot of money into that. So I can understand where they're coming from in that respect. And let me be very clear that when I say I understand where they're coming from does not equate to I completely agree with their uh, their stance on this (laughs) because I don't. Well, the thing is, D&D Beyond already had a significant chunk of the user share in the market. Mm-hmm. And improvements like these are only going to help that. You don't need to crack down on other VTTs. Leave them alone. Yeah. They're not taking up that much of your market share. They'll live or die based on their own performance and features. You don't need to worry about yourself. They've, you know, uh, D&D has the 800-pound gorilla um, force working in favor of it. So they don't have to try too hard. Right. The big thing that other VTTs were capitalizing on were folks that didn't have D&D Beyond budget kind of money. If you really want to capture that market, you're not going to capture them by running other VTTs out of town. You're going to capture them by having an economy model version of your product. Right. And then uh, the fifth bullet point, it says 62% are satisfied with including the systems reference document, SRD content in Creative Commons. And the majority of those who are dissatisfied asked for more SRD content in Creative Commons. And this is sort of the crux of, of uh, everything going forward now, because, um, uh, well, here, let me read the next part first. It says, you know, these live survey results are clear. You want OGL 1.0A. You want irrevocability. You like Creative Commons. The feedback is in such high volume and its direction is so plain that we're acting now. Um, and I'm putting my own little asterisk next to that to complain about it later. Uh, and then they say, <laughs> they say uh, we're leaving OGL 1.0A in place as it is untouched. Uh, we're making the entire SRD 5.1 available under a Creative Commons license, and you choose what you prefer to use. Uh, and there's a lot to unpack there. But um, the main thing about them publishing the SRD under Creative Commons, like the SRD 5.1 is essentially the current 5e rule set, uh, and it's got all the stuff that you can use for free. Uh, like it's got certain monsters, uh, the classes, uh, you know, spells and stuff like that. It doesn't change what was real. Fundamentally, it doesn't change anything that was available yesterday in the SRD that you could use versus what's available now that it's been published in Creative Commons. The distinction there is that now that it's been published under Creative Commons, it cannot be taken away. Um, for, for the rest of eternity, it's going to be in Creative Commons for anybody to use anywhere. Um, now, talking to... Uh, noted D&D specializing attorney Noah Downs uh, (laughs) yesterday after this. um, He mentioned that it's kind of interesting that there are references to things like Umber Hulks and Beholders in there that like maybe were left in there by accident or maybe that is under like it falls under folks asking for more SRD content in Creative Commons. Uh, But like the stat blocks for Beholders, which is, you know, one of uh, Wizards like 
flagship IP like IPs for Dungeons and Dragons that they don't want anybody to get their hands on. Uh, they didn't include like monster blocks or you can't use depictions or anything like that, according to Noah. But you can reference beholders and umber hulks and things like that. There's plenty more to like dig into on that. That would be like an interesting follow up conversation with Noah to sort of dissect what's in the SRD. It's just Saturday afternoon. We didn't want to take him away from his weekend to talk to us in the middle of the afternoon. I did call him right before this, though, and he answered a quick question for me, so that was nice. But, um, so what does it mean? It means folks like Goblins and Growlers, folks like basically any other small publisher who's published stuff using the uh, system reference document for 5e can continue doing what we were doing. Uh, and not only does it not change anything for us in this respect, but it makes it more secure for us to continue doing that. Um, so it's good asterisk. Um, just if you look at it completely objectively and Josh, you feel free to disagree with me on this. Um, it's, it's good. They, you know, this went in a direction I was not expecting because, you know, I've talked a lot about how I felt like what they were doing was price anchoring and they were like, Oh, here's this really draconian document. Everybody reacts negatively to it. They dial it back a little bit and then people are allowed to call it a win, but they still get what they want. Uh, this is not what I was expecting. I was not expecting them to put this out in creative commons. Uh, I don't, I don't think a lot of people were, I think it was sort of one of those pie in the sky hopes that folks had had. Uh, but it's just, it's just really interesting. And there, there are dominoes from this, uh, that I think are, are going to be fun to explore. Um, like for example, and you know, I may be getting off track with <laughs> at this point, but, um, they've, so much content right now is published under the, the 5.1 SRD, like using 5e rules. So many third-party publishers are using that. So what then is the incentive for those publishers to embrace one D&D with the... Because make no mistake, there's going to be a new SRD that comes out for the next iteration of D&D. So if you've got this one that is really popular and is now in the public domain, essentially, why would anybody shift to one D and mean, I think, I think that goes back to they themselves, wizards of the coast weren't planning to shift away from five E any point soon. Mm -hmm. They're still looking at one D and D being completely compatible with five E just an iteration rather than a replacement. Right, exactly. So I think that plays into their current plans anyway. What I'm curious about is three to five years from now, when they're starting to think about, oh, I know we said 1D&D would be the last version of D&D because we just do iterative improvements going forward. That's not... It, Windows has also said that. Windows was like, Windows 10 will be the last version of Windows. Well, guess what, folks? Windows 11 is out. It's a thing. <laughs> D&D <laughs> is going to do the exact same crap because everybody goes, this will be the last time we do this. We'll just make iterative improvements. And then they get three or four years down the road and they go, wait a minute. Iterative improvements aren't enough for this specific thing we want to do. We need to make, we need to rebrand the whole thing. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like because that's with everything being in Creative Commons now for the 5e SRD. Um, that's, that's a lot of content that yeah. a lot of people are going to build off of and create their own platforms and structures. And 
I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I guess we'll see. It'll be interesting. And I think that a lot of their thinking has to be a little bit focused on a projection that things are going to move more and more into the VTT space for everybody, because that's something they're still going to be able to control under under whatever new uh, non-public domain licenses and things. Um, because, uh, you know, talking about the broader business climate, like Hasbro announced, you know, Wizards Parent Company announced the other day that they were laying off something like 1,000 or 1,500 people. It was unclear if any, any or many of those were within uh, Wizards of the Coast or the Dungeons and Dragons brand. But, you know, just looking... Looking at the economy overall, you're seeing a lot of layoffs now in tech and various other places like Google just had, you know, a round of layoffs of like 12,000 people, which was like massive for them. And you've seen like Salesforce have layoffs and stuff like that, too. And it's all because, uh, well, mostly because, you know, they're projecting at least a mild recession. So they're trying to get ahead of that. Um, But the interesting thing about Hasbro and the layoffs, right, is because, you know, Hasbro is a public company. So um, it's, you know, pretty transparent uh, the, how they have to deal with that because they have, a, you know, shareholders to answer to and they have to keep generating profit. So is releasing the 5.1 SRD from like a business standpoint, like a good idea for them because it just creates a place for the gaming community to continue using those rules and branch off into a marketplace that doesn't entirely rely on Wizards of the Coast. Like if I wanted to at this point for the rest of my gaming life, I could buy, you know, 5e compatible stuff that third party people were making and never have to touch anything from Watsi ever again, because I don't even have to buy the core rules because the SRD is in Creative Commons now. And that's basically the slimmed down version of the core rules. It's everything you need to play D&D. I mean, I think more realistically, if you look at how people were treating the SRD before, mm-hmm. not much has changed. Not for not for Watsi's side of things. Well, people I think want something that's a little more expansive than the SRD are still just needing to buy core rule books because the the something that I saw that was a little bit of a misunderstanding, one that I myself had uh, briefly was that the monster manual, the dungeon master's guide and the full 5e player's handbook were all also in the creative commons because 5.1 was in the creative commons. That's not it. It's just the SRD. So 5e SRD now is a creative commons website instead of an OGL website. Yeah, that doesn't really change anything as far as purchasing power is concerned. I guess I guess what I was getting at with that was just the idea that um, with all this stuff being out there in in public domain now, does this what kind of profit implications does this have for wizards down the line, especially as a public company that is already dealing with layoffs because of the economy? Because you're more likely to see that in a public company than you are a private privately held company, right? So. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's just such a small piece of the pie that it doesn't actually matter. Uh, but I just, I just think it's interesting to look at that through the lens of the economic climate right now. I like, and I'm sure it's the kind of thing they wouldn't have done if they didn't have about you know fifteen thousand lawyers all sign off on it. Um, but you know, maybe they're like, well, it's you know, it's reaching the end of its product cycle. It's good. Like we got to weigh that against the goodwill. Uh, you know, 
I don't know. Like may, maybe they maybe they just they figure by putting it out there publicly, that's going to give them enough of a buy from everybody that they'll still come to them to purchase a lot of supplementary materials. Like like when the inevitable Dark Sun re-release comes out, like, you know, I'll probably still buy that, even though I'm really pissed off about how everything's unfolded in the last month or so. And so maybe I'm thinking a little too hard about it. Well, I think it's also worth keeping in mind the layoffs that you're talking about are specifically Hasbro is laying people off. I think it was something like 15% of their staff are being laid off. My understanding of that is that all of that staff is coming out of uh, toy production from mm -hmm. areas that just weren't, they weren't hitting any kind of metric that they needed to in order to maintain pace. And so layoffs are occurring because toys weren't selling as well last year. Yeah, it was like um, a lot of manufacturers, like entertainment and leisure manufacturers had trouble. Uh, they didn't have a really good holiday season. So that probably is driving a lot of that. You know, I wonder if like Wizards wasn't hit very hard with it, probably because D&D &D is drawing from sort of a different pool of purchasers who aren't necessarily not buying action figures for their kids. They're people who are my age who are still going to buy, you know, a, a supplement book or something like that. I mean, to re-reference a couple of numbers we used in a previous episode, my understanding is that Watsi is something like 50% of Hasbro's annual revenue last year. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it's uh, Wizards of the Coast and specifically D&D &D had a vast market majority share at the start of 2022. Now, <laughs> I don't know what that looks like right now, because a lot of people, and I think rightfully so, are like, no, you tried to screw us. You you pulled this crap before with 4E. I'm gone. You'll never see a red cent from me again. And I think mm -hmm. those people were already shopping around for another product. And this was just like the thing that made them go, I'm just I'm just not doing this anymore. I don't think mm -hmm. you're getting those people back. And yeah. I think those people are gone. And I want to I want to I want to read a real quick comment uh, that I did a screen grab on that I saw on Facebook on my phone. Um, I followed DM Dave on Facebook and he he's been posting a lot of stuff about this um, as it's been unfolding over the last few weeks. And uh, he basically had a post that was like, hey, you know, thanks, Wizards, for doing the right thing. You know, yeah, it sucked. I lost a shit ton of sleep and spent a lot of money in legal fees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, somebody comments on it and they say so many people in the comments are on their post are saying too little, too late. Sorry. But y'all, please, please, please remember that if that's the route the community takes, we are telling big companies that listening to public backlash and outcry isn't worth anything and they might as well bulldoze us. So, you know, that's that's one way to look at it. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't I think Wizards probably has built in some uh, some loss to this decision because they know that they're essentially paying themselves like buying themselves out of a deficit. Um, but I also want to make really clear that even though I'm like happy about this development, because like it almost literally couldn't have gone better for anybody in the publishing space. And just generally anybody who likes a simple uh, TTRPG system uh, that you already are familiar with, uh, this doesn't. This is not an excuse to backtrack from stuff like Paizo and their open gaming project, Cobalt and their uh, Black Flag project, and just everybody else who was trying to um, 
it's it's it sounds more predatory when I say it like this, but capitalize on this massive misstep from wizards, right? So we shouldn't we shouldn't ignore what other folks are doing to try to bring more variety and open source attitudes into the gaming space. Like we still need to check out, you know, Paizo and Cobalt and their open gaming projects. And beyond that, because like, you know, it's really it we call Paizo and Cobalt third party publishers, but let's be honest, they're if if D and D's the eight hundred pound gorilla, they're both the like the five and six hundred pound gorillas, right? So we also need to use this as a reminder to actively search out indie developers, indie systems, things like that, especially people who release stuff under Creative Commons. It's vital to keep the hobby rich and developing. So even though, yeah, this is sort of objectively a good thing for those of us who play, let's keep in mind that we're, we're only here because a conversation was forced and they had to make a decision about what they wanted to do. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that everything that happened over the last month, month and a half didn't happen. It did. They were like, they were perfectly willing to take all this stuff away. And because of that, in the same way that if you run a business, you need to have multiple revenue streams. Um, we shouldn't just be relying 100% on wizards because, you know, any new thing they put out after this, they can still take away. I mean, the whole concept of them backing everything back down is because they saw everyone starting to migrate to other products. Mm -hmm. If there were no other products to migrate to, Wizards wouldn't have backed down. They would have just barreled right through and been like, hey, you know what? If uh, if you don't like it, you can take it to another game in town. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, there are none. Because yeah. that's that's what mega corporations do when those situations. I mean, look at Walmart. How many times has Walmart been called out for some shady nonsense? And they're like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's Wiz Wizards isn't exactly a monopoly in the TTRPG space, but they're damn near. Um, so it's up to us as the people who breathe life into the hobby, just players. Uh, to make sure we are not letting them corner that market and we're trying to explore other options and find new ways to play and new ways to introduce people to the hobby. So that's kind of my soapbox for this is like, even though this ended in a far better place than any of us expected it to, that doesn't mean we should let our guard down and just necessarily welcome wizards back into our heart immediately. I don't know if they were ever there, but we certainly shouldn't let them there. Um, I think... I think, uh, in fairness to them, I'll read the rest of this short little statement that uh, Kyle Brink, their uh, executive producer, put out. Um, he says, you know, the Creative Commons license makes the content freely available for any use. We don't control that license and cannot alter or revoke it. It's open, irrevocable in a way that doesn't require you to take our word for it. And its openness means there's no need for a VTT policy. Placing the SRD under Creative Commons license is a one-way door. There's no going back. That's true. Uh, our goal here is to deliver what you wanted. So what about the goals that drove us when we started this process? We wanted to protect D the D&D play experience into the future. Uh, I will insert uh, editorially a parenthetical there that said for that says for us, <laughs> they wanted yeah. to protect it for themselves. We still want to do that with your help. 
We're grateful that this community is passionate and active because we'll need your help protecting the game's inclusive and welcoming nature. I believe that the creatives involved in D&D are grateful the community's passionate and active about this because I don't think they were the ones driving the conversation. It was the lawyers and the business people. Um, and, you know, protecting the game's inclusive and welcoming nature, which, let's be honest, is a relatively new development over the last nine years. Um, it's it hasn't traditionally been like that until 5e really opened the door up a lot for folks we want to limit the ogl to ttrpgs with this new approach we are setting that aside and counting on your choices to define the future of play here's a pdf of srd 5.1 with creative commons license by simply publishing it we place it under an irrevocable creative commons license we'll get it hosted in a more convenient place next week it's important that we take this step now so there's no question we are immediately going to see tons of people republishing this um who knows we may be one of them but uh it, the pdf like people are just going to start republishing it with their like as part of the rules with their own settings that they're doing uh it's going to be out there a lot so you're not going to have any trouble finding it but for right now you can find it pretty pretty easily on dnd beyond um with the creative commons license on it and then he says We'll be closing the OGL 1.2 survey now. We'll keep talking with you about how we can better support our players and creators. Thanks, as always, for continuing to share your thoughts, Cal Brink. And, you know, again, mainly I'm mad at the business people and the lawyers for this because I, I really don't think like Jeremy Crawford or anybody like that is like, we have to protect this IP and we have to take everybody's money. I think we, we got to make sure those $750,000 businesses are giving us our cut of the pie. As much as I get irritated um, with some of the dumb creative choices that Wizards makes with D&D &D and some of the thoughtless and careless creative choices that they make, um, I really don't think any of it's coming from a place of malice. I think it's coming from a place of ignorance. Uh, so I can't like I can always be mad that they didn't try harder, but I'm not going to be mad because I think they're trying to screw people over. I think they're just sort of caught in the middle of this. Yeah. I think my big takeaway from all of this is similar to yours, which is a market is most fruitful when there is a lot of healthy competition within it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this this is just an example of there's enough other people willing to do what Wizards does so that people can enjoy games and play new content and not have to write everything themselves because not all of us have time for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as long some as of us who all... publish stuff like that don't have time for that. <laughs> hey, you got that? You got that adventure for uh, Thursday written? No, that's <laughs> Josh, Josh right now is in my guest bedroom recording this. And immediately after this, we have to eat some hamburgers and then flesh out an adventure for Thursday. <laughs> Sorry, growlers. We'll get you your adventures soon. Uh -huh. uh, so healthy competition helps with situations like this, where the I you referred to Paizo and Kobold Press as the five and six hundred pound gorillas. I think if you talked to Paizo or Kobold Press, they'd be like, wow, you really think of us as that big? That's very flattering. Thank you. Well, I mean, I'm I think, of, thinking of it more as a brand awareness kind of thing, because if you think tabletop role-playing games you think DD, but then you think pathfinder right after that and then you think cobalt press because they put out a lot of really good 5e supplements i agree but i do think that from their perspective they're like god we're so much smaller than them like we mm -hmm. have nowhere near the budget that they do for doing things yeah but i just i want to make sure folks are you know 
yes, Wizards has done right by us in this circumstance. It's possible that they will come around the bend and two or three years from now, they'll be like, hey, you remember how we did right by you two or three years ago? Guess what? We're going back on it. They mm-hmm. can't do that with the 5 ESRD at this point because it's published Creative Commons. But who's to say what the next thing will be? It's yeah. it's hard for me to know. I'm, I'm not psychic. I, you know, I can see this going, you know, a couple different ways. In some ways, I will not be surprised if in 20 years people are still using this Creative Commons 5 ESRD. And but, you know, again, in 20 years, if nobody's using it anymore or it's become a real niche thing. Yeah, I probably won't be surprised either. Um, it, it's just interesting to see because, I mean, it's a, like I can't think of another when something this well known and this comprehensive in terms of system has been put out in the public space like this. I mean, I will say if you released 2E SRD on Creative Commons right now, I probably still wouldn't play it. So you would uh, you would spend a long time parsing through it and then you would just be too tired to mess with it. <laughs> Well, like Thaco, I don't. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm not going to worry about Thaco. <laughs> um, God, like the more I think about Tui, the angrier I get because it was all we. But you know, it was all we had. It was like walking uphill to school both ways in the snow. You know, you you're happy for what you have, <laughs> and you just want your kids to have better than you had. Um, Josh, do we have any other closing thoughts on this? I think my my final thought on the whole situation is wizards has done right but we'll see we'll be keeping our eyes a little bit more closely peeled for them doing right in the future as well Mm -hmm. yeah in the meantime look look for a published srd with the words goblins and growlers presents written in pencil right above it But no, this, you know, in in full transparency, this does make our life a lot easier because some of the like, you know, a lot of the stuff we write, a lot of the merchandise that we have uh, has always relied on um, the SRD and the OGL. And and, you know, I'll be completely honest in the same way I was critical about other businesses. It's like it's a dumb way to do business, to be respond to like build the back of your business on somebody else's thing. Um, But, you know, fortunately, we don't do this for a living. We just do it for fun. So uh, we don't we don't have as big of a dog in the fight as lots of other people do. But uh, this makes this immediately makes everything a lot easier for a good while. And, you know, it's a it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing in terms of like wizards did a good thing. Wizards did a pragmatic thing that they needed to do to staunch the bleeding. But objectively, it is a good thing for the community. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that they did what they did. and. We'll see how things go. Yeah. And, um, you know, th- thank you to, uh, you know, noted uh, D&D space uh, attorney Noah Downs for taking my quick phone call earlier today to get some clarity on some stuff. Um, and uh, also, just because he's not here to say it for himself, you know, Google Forgotten Paths. Eventually you'll find his podcast. Um, also, while we're talking about podcasts, Quid Pro Roll, uh, which is our uh, 5e SRD uh, supported uh, actual play podcast, uh, which releases every Wednesday. Uh, check that out. And you're already listening to the Goblins and Growlers podcast, so you know what they need to do, Josh. They need to telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast, which is not released under the SRD. But if there's enough fan outcry, 
uh, maybe we'll put it under Creative Commons too. And if you want to take a minute to go around to all of those podcasts, uh, iTunes pages, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now, and go five star ratings and talk about how wonderful the people involved in all of them are. Like, I mean, I, I am not going to say you have to, but it sure would be nice if you did. Five star review, please. If, if you don't want to give us a five star review, then email us and tell us why you don't want to give us a five star review. And we'll see about rectifying your issue. Give us give us a four star review through Twitter. Uh, at, <laughs> yeah. At Goblins Growlers. Go, hey, I only rate your your podcast four stars. And here's why. We'll we'll figure it out from there. All right, Josh, I'm getting hungry and I think it's time for lunch. So let's wrap this up. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope uh, that you enjoyed our little uh, non-expert discussion about the 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 late unpleasantness and its resolution, or at least its resolution as of right now. Uh, we'll find out if anything else happens before this episode gets released at three o'clock in the morning on Monday. Um, but uh, I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore. I'm Josh at Black Cloak DM. And we will catch all of you uh, on the flippy flop. Uh, if you need to get us in the meantime, uh, check out the Discord, uh, bit.ly slash goblin discord, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, y'all. like what you hear consider subscribing and giving us a review over on apple podcasts especially early in the feed subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way thank you